What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Before you mash that fast forward button to move to the beginning of today's episode, I'd like to quickly tell you about some ways you can support the show and everything that I'm doing right now. You can support the show on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Again, just go on over to patreon.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Become a patron for as little as $5 a month. Or you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review. It's incredibly important with the way iTunes works. So if you have a second, please leave a rating and or review and subscribe on iTunes. Uh, you can listen to the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else you get your podcasts, you can check out chasethomaspodcast.com. That is on my previous episode, a link to my newsletter, and all my articles that I've written. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at chase double underscore Thomas. You can like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chase Thomas writer, or you can just tell a friend you found this independent sports podcast that they should check out too. Thank you for listening. You're all the best. And I think we've reached the point in this intro where my uncle Darren can play me in. All right, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. <laughs> um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, Sean Hyken is here, and Sean, I need to know if I'm a bad person for rooting for the Timberwolves to miss the playoffs. <laughs> I mean, I generally speaking, I root for as much chaos as possible, and I just. Uh, you know, get you know, given just you know how how much you know the fact the fact that there's like a, a play in game for the I think I think I read that the last time that happened was 1997 and there was actually a play in game between two teams where the winner actually makes the playoffs and the loser misses it. So mm-hmm. honestly, either way, like you know, the Nuggets haven't made the playoffs basically since that last run with George Carl. The Timberwolves haven't made the playoffs since Garnett's MVP year. So either way, like it's a tortured fan base. Like. It, uh, I, I could I'd be cool with with whatever happens either way. It's so weird because this is the best Timberwolves season no matter what since like oh three oh four well oh four was the conference insane. finals year. Yeah, well I mean like the oh three oh four season yeah, and that's insane that it's been that long since they've been anywhere near this and I mean they're gonna win a lot of games but it just doesn't it doesn't feel right but also there's nothing that just kind of feels more right than Stan Van Gundy and Tom Thibodeau finishing ninth in their respective conferences to finish the year. I love certainly be, it would certainly be another indictment of the coach GM uh, thing, which I wonder what's going to happen. Supposedly there's going to be a meeting between Stan and the Pistons owners uh, next week to determine his future. And my guess as to what's going to happen there is that it's going to be similar to what happened with doc rivers with the Clippers where they're, he's going to stay as coach, but they're going to maybe strip him of his, personnel control and i wonder if the same thing is going to happen with tibbs if the, if the timberwolves miss the playoffs because i think we've just seen a lot of evidence that the you know giving one guy this like the dual roles is just really never works outside of the spurs where pop has final say on stuff but even he has rc like doing all the stuff and everybody's kind of always on the same page about that i mean the reason it doesn't work is because uh you know if you're a coach your job is to win games that night and if you're the gm your job is yeah. to make sure your team is competitive long term 
and sometimes those two goals are at odds with each other and so you know you know you ha- you kind of have to have two different people doing the two different jobs and so I do wonder if the Timberwolves do miss the playoffs if something like that is going to happen where maybe they just like give Scott Layden all the personnel control with the team and just make Tibbs the head coach because I think that would be more successful for them. I just feel bad. So on one hand, I get why they these established coaches like Stan Tibbs and like I'm sure like there hasn't been a lot of reports about the Van Gundy stuff with the other Van Gundy, Jeff, if he like took the Bucks job. I would assume he would only take a pro job at this point if he got complete control. And I don't think he's going to get that job. And I read about that this week of like why Budenholzer actually like really might be a really great fit for them. I think he's a better fit for them than uh, Doc Rivers. But Is he going to be out in Atlanta? So this is the conundrum that Budenholzer is going to be in this summer. We already know that he is a top 10 NBA head coach. I agree. And he know like, but the thing is, depending on what happens in the draft, like they could either get Jaron Jackson Jr., who's probably going to be a really good role player no matter where he goes. Like, he'll be good. He's not going to be a star. Like, he doesn't have any, like, upside of, like, this guy can be a franchise guy. But Aiton and Doncic do. And if they the Hawks get the number three pick, which is where they're projected to get right now, which is very Hawks, um, they're going to miss out on a superstar this year. And they're going to have to go through this whole painful 25-win season again next year because this roster is not getting better with age. I mean, they still have a lot of holes, and they're just... They're, it's going to be a painful long rebuild and Travis Schlink doesn't have like a history with Bud and Bud's also gone through a lot of different regime changes. Like he started with um, Ferry and then Ferry got ousted and then he got complete control and then Wilcox had this weird thing and it's just he's been through a lot of turnover in Atlanta, but he's also won six That's games. another example, and, by the way, of a guy of a team where the coach had personnel control and then it didn't really work out well. So they just took it away from him and then it was, you know, a little more successful. Well, it's not successful yet. Right, but I, mean, I, I feel really better about the Hawks' direction now than I would if Budenholzer still had personnel control. I would agree. And we it's still early, but I love John Collins. And I what Budenholzer's gotten out of Torian Prince, especially yeah. down the stretch, is really good. Uh, they need to get Dennis Schroeder out of there, and I think that's a, a sooner rather than later situation. They've got and, some pieces uh, on that team. It, I've liked I've liked John Collins a lot. They have a I piece. like John Collins a lot since <laughs> Summer League. Yeah, I mean, Collins is like one of those dudes who, like, you immediately see is like he's going to be a plus-minus monster for the rest. He's going to be Todd Gibbs. It's like you're not a hundred. Yeah, where you're like you're not sure how it all works in that five-man unit, but every unit that includes John Collins is going to be a right. positive. So he's good, and I like Prince a lot still, and Bembry's probably not going to be a thing. But I mean, they still have just they're still two or three years away from really getting back to the playoff push, and I don't know if Boonholzer, who's won 60 games he waited two decades to get a head coaching job i don't know if he really wants to stay around but at the same time would you risk going to milwaukee where you have Giannis for right now and i think they would be a top four team every year that Giannis and boonholz are together because boonholz has this history with wings and developing guys like Giannis. like he was there early on with Kawhi. he developed damari carroll and got damari carroll paid he developed kent Bazemore. he developed uh now torian prince like he for whatever reason, like there is something there where like wings just play better in Budenholzer's system. So like you pair him with Middleton, Parker, Snell, Brogdon, all those guys, like I see that team maximizing what they have. I don't think they're a finals team, but I think they're a really good team that could win like 60 games with MVP like Giannis. But at the same time, he could be gone in two years. And they, there was that report last summer about the clock is already ticking on Giannis and his free agency. And it's like, do you really want to leave the Hawks potentially where you could get like a Doncic or an Aiton and then be able to develop 
whoever it is, like another superstar, and then have like five years with that guy and just have more uh, security uh, long term. Because if he goes to the Bucks and then Giannis still leaves in a year and a half, like then he's kind of screwed. So I don't know. I think he's in a tough spot. Yeah, I mean, that'll be interesting to see, but I think that could be a good fit for them if he does decide he wants to leave. Is it a hot take to say that I think he's, well, it, that he's a better coach than Doc, and if I'm the Bucks, I'd rather have Budenholzer? I would rather have Budenholzer than Doc because there's just a lot of other stuff that comes with having Doc in terms of having a strong personality mm-hmm. and wanting that kind I, I I don't know. I mean, I think Doc is a great coach, and I think Doc has actually done a great job with the Clippers this year, considering all the changes mm-hmm. they've had, losing Chris, losing Blake, having all these guys get injured, but... Uh, there's just, you know, there's a lot that comes with hiring Doc, and I, I would personally, you know, I think Budenholzer would be a safer choice for a team like the Bucks. Can I say that I think Doc's going back to Orlando? I mean, I could see it. I, I think Vogel's definitely out of there this summer. So. Oh, by the way, I've said in this podcast, Vogel is the next coach of the Knicks. Write it down. That is a done deal. Frank Vogel is the next coach of the I think he's a good coach, though. Deal. Like, I'd... There's only there's only too. so much that you, you know you can you can do with a roster like Orlando's and, and I don't think the Knicks obviously have a very good roster either although Porzingis when he's healthy is a better player than anybody on the Magic roster but I would feel better about him than I would about Mark Jackson who's the other guy that's been thrown around. Oh god. I don't buy that I don't, at all. I don't I think that's really week. I think that seems like an agent thing of floating the idea that Mark Jackson's going to go to New York. I think he would already have another NBA job if he was going to get one. By I, that point. I think Mark Jackson's going to get back in, but it's going to be in the I would not thing. hire Mark Jackson. I could Jackson. see him getting a college job. I would not hire Mark Jackson. No, I and again, I mean, not he isn't a good coach because he did do a good job with those Warriors teams. There's been some revisionist history, but he did make that team pretty competitive. It's just all the other stuff that comes with Mark Jackson and the reason that he was fired in the first place is because he didn't get along with you know management and he did kind of that. Uh, you know, uh, there there was there was a lot of stuff there. I I personally, it's the same reason I wouldn't hire Jason Kidd. There's just so much other stuff that comes with him that I wouldn't want to deal with. I think there's a better shot of Mark Jackson becoming the next coach of Pepperdine than he than becoming next coach of the Knicks. Yeah, maybe we'll see. <laughs> I think he's gonna. I think he'll eventually like just take a college job. On the, I think he lives in L.A. And he's comfortable there. I wouldn't leave it. I could see him waiting for a college job. So either way, who knows? Um, Doc there. I mean, Doc also has a history because that's what they were citing with the Milwaukee stuff where he was an all-star in Milwaukee and everything. But it's also like he was really good in Atlanta. What if Budenholzer left from Milwaukee and Doc took the Atlanta job? Um, he has a, he, he, super he, far from Orlando. His, his first NBA coaching job was with the Magic, too. So, I mean, that, and, you know, he's, his family, I think, is still there. So, you know, there's 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 options for him if he decides to leave the Clippers. Yeah, I think it's going to be a fun summer no matter what. But I do hope the Bucks make the right hire this summer because I want to see Giannis as a, on a 61 team. I want to see that roster maximized. I want to see a coach that just – you can't take another chance. You take you can't take another risk on a Jason Kidd-like coach. You have to get a, a, a name that has proven to win that you know can get the most out of Giannis for the next two years. Where do you think David Fisdale is going to end up? That was my first pick. I want Fisdale in Milwaukee. It makes too much sense. But I don't know. I think he's definitely definitely going to get another shot somewhere and he should. Yeah, I agree. I think he's going to get, I I think he's smart enough not to take the next job if that opens up or when it opens up. Um, I think he would be interesting. What if LeBron wants to stay in Cleveland? Like he resigns. What if they moved on from Lou and he like stepped aside for health reasons long-term and they just hired Fisdale? Well, that would be the play for, you know, if you're a team that wants to try to lure LeBron, 
you hire. But the problem is all the other teams that he might be considered, the Lakers seem like they're pretty committed to Luke Walton at this point. Obviously, the Rockets have D'Antoni there. Uh, the Sixers, I wouldn't imagine they're going to let Brett Brown go anytime soon after this year. Uh, but that would be kind of if LeBron, if we get closer to the summer and LeBron's free agency seems like it's more open than it seems like it's going to be right now, that would definitely be a move because of how close those two are. Exactly. That's why if I'm the Cavs, like that might be part of the pitch is like if Lou can't come back, then we want to bring in um, Fizdale. And I think yeah. that's a good job. If it, Fizz, I, I, it would make sense. Um, the only other option really for Fizz that like kind of makes sense is the Clippers. Yeah, no, that would be that would, that would be good. Yeah. Clippers are the most interesting because I don't know what they're going to do. They had they overachieved. They didn't trade Lou. They locked him up long term. It's just. I'm not 100% where they're going. I feel like they still have like 19 moves to make, so it's really hard to get a read on. Well, so much of it is going to depend on whether DeAndre stays or goes somewhere else. Yeah. What do you think he should do? I think they're going to keep him. I think they're going to pay him. It's going to be a situation Hmm. like Blake where they pay him because they don't want him to leave, and then if they have to trade him, as we saw with the Blake trade with Detroit, if they want to trade him later on, they can probably find a way to do that if he's still productive. Hmm. I don't think he's there next year. But I'm also not 100% certain where he goes. No teams have cap space is the thing. They're like, not, like I can't find a team that yeah. has the space to get him and also has the need for him. Well, I know a team that could really use him and they could have, if they were, if they had better assets, they could have gotten him, I guess, is the Wizards. Like, I love the idea of Ball, uh, ball Wall, Beal, and DJ, and then like, Porter and Keith. Well, then what? Like, but I, they I don't. Like they don't have anything by. to trade because it's like you have to. Like it's exactly. Like, Clippers, that's what I'm saying. The they just don't have anything. The, the Clippers are going to take like Gortat or or, or Mahinmi. Like they're not going to take that. And like you have to put in one of those contracts to make the money work. Like I just exactly. So I just don't know what. I, I don't think there's a good option there. Yeah, I know. I don't know. We'll see. Um. So we're almost at the end of the NBA season tonight. Um. It's going to be crazy as we talked about, but it's the year end awards. And I don't know. It feels like a lot of these are kind of all wrapped up, right? I think so. I mean, the the most interesting one and the one where there's the most room for debate is probably coach of the year because there's like five or six different guys. And that ballot only goes three deep. There's like five or six different guys that, you know, you could make a case for being number one. And some of them might just like not even end up on a ballot. It's crazy. Who is your coach of the year? Let's start there. We're going to go through the major ones, and I, I have I might have some takes. So who is your coach of the year right now? I think, and I've gone back and forth on this so much, I think I lean towards Dwayne Casey just because mm-hmm. of how he's been able to get that bend that they have to play and how he's been able to kind of reinvent their whole style with a lot of the same roster uh like because you know he was a guy where like going into the season when when especially when Masai said you know over the offseason that they needed to have a whole culture reset and you think okay you know are they going to make a change at coach is Casey going to be out of there even though they've been pretty successful last couple of years they kept him on and he's I mean he's also like he's an older coach he's not like a young guy still developing the style he's an older coach he kind of has a way that he does things in a way that he plays and for him to be able to just kind of adapt that on the fly with a lot of the same personnel and get so much out of those players and have them you be successful enough to get the one seed in the East. I think that was really impressive. But then, you know, there's so many other guys you have to like think about. I think McMillan has a legit case considering how 
how much the Pacers have overachieved from what people thought they were going to be. Uh, I think Quinn Snyder definitely has a case. You know, Terry Stotts, you have to put in there. Brad Stevens, obviously, with how many injuries the Celtics have dealt with, and they still got the two seed. A guy that's not really talked about a lot in these conversations, at least not that I've heard, is Alvin Gentry, who's kept the Pelicans competitive after the uh, mm-hmm. after uh, DeMarcus Cousins goes down. I think I would maybe lean towards Casey, but there's like five or six different guys you could talk me into. Mine is still Brad Stevens. I think we've already forgotten because the Hayward stuff happened so long ago. Charles Barkley, like, immediately said after, like, their season was over, like, there's a bunch of columns you can go back and read of, like, what the Celtics can do. I remember Nate Duncan and um, Danny LaRue were talking about on the Dunkdown podcast right after of, like, what they're saying is, and, like, they're going to struggle to get, like, 40 wins and, like, this offense, like, where they get the production from and everything else. Like, I just, I think we've taken for granted, like, how much they've overachieved. Well, it's not just Hayward. And now it's, you don't have It's not Kyrie. just Hayward, because Kyrie's yeah. been out, Marcus Smart has been out, they kind of have. Yeah. And then, you know, also the fact that, you know, he was able to get good production out of so many of these young guys. You look at the impact that Jason Tatum has had, I don't think anybody thought he was going to be this good his rookie year. Even a guy like Daniel Tice, before he had his injury, that shut him down for the season that was a guy that nobody really talked about coming into the season and like there was so much even before the Hayward injury there was so much roster turnover I think there were only four guys on this team that were on the team last year and there was they were able to have so much success out of the gate even after the Hayward injury that like you know you have to be impressed by that Marcus Morris is hitting big uh-huh. shots for them like Terry Rozier has gone up another level like I just I think it's Brad Stevens and I, I feel like he I think we're overthinking it with him. Like, it's just, it's insane that the Celtics had this many wins with this kind of roster, with the injuries that happened to them and everything else. Like, I just, I think he's done the most impressive job to me. Like, they're the best events in basketball without a bunch of talent. Like, I just, he, for me, is like the runaway. Like, I'm honestly, I think this is the most passionate I am about any of the awards where I just feel like it's Stevens and just... Any other coach you put in, like even Dwayne Casey, if you put him into the Celtic situation, I don't think they had the same sort of success. And I like Dwayne Casey, but I just, I think he deserves um, a lot of credit for keeping everything going with so many injuries, so much turnover and everything else. Like he lost his entire roster from a year ago. Like it's night and day what the Celtics were running out last year versus this year and everything else. Like he is by far the coach of the year for me. I mean, if you want to put Stevens number one, I'm not going to like, like I said, there's like six guys where if you want to say that's the coach of the year, I'm not going to talk you out of it. I'm not going to argue with it. It's such a hard, it's such a hard call. Like, I think I would lean Casey, but if you wanted to say Stevens, fine. Like I'm, I'm good with that. I'm good with Quinn Snyder. I'm good with McMillan. I'm good with Terry Stotts. I'm good with, uh, you know, there's like, there's a few other guys that, you know, you want to put in that conversation. Fine. Like, like this is such a crowded field. Who is your thank you for not coaching award winner? What does that mean? Like the worst coach in the NBA this year. Who were you like? Wow, this this was not good. Not a great, not a great season for this coach. I mean, it would have to be. I think it's Hornacek. Yeah, yeah, it would probably have to be Hornacek. I feel like, or <laughs> either that, or that. See, the thing is, there aren't really a lot of bad. Like, there's no, uh, there's no like Randy Whitman's in the in the NBA anymore in terms of coaches. Where well, there was. Like, it was Earl Watson, and he got relieved pretty early on. Yeah, Earl I, Watson. He seems like a nice guy, but he should not be a head Well, he just, I mean, the mistake they made with him was, you know, they fire Hornacek and they make him interim, which is fine, but then they... They've done that twice now. Right, but Jay Triano is a guy who had a lot more coaching experience than uh, than he did. I guess Jason Kidd because of all the drama with him and then he gets fired. But but then again, like, they haven't been a lot better since they fired Kidd, so... uh, I actually have a dark horse. Dave Yeager. 
Yeah, the Kings are just, I don't know. The, the thing with the Sacramento. They should be better. Like, their defense is trash. Like, it's not like they don't have defensive pieces. Like, this should be a better defensive team than 30th in the league. They were 30th for the majority of the year. I think the Suns are back to 30th right now. But the Kings are right there. They're 29th, I think, without even double-checking. But they are bottom two in offensive and defensive efficiency this year. That is there's just still too much talent on that roster. And I'm not saying it's a great roster, but I'm saying it's enough for them not to be that bad in both categories. Yeah. I haven't been too impressed with what Jaeger is, but that's such a weird, that that whole organization, there's only, there's there's not so much you can like say about how much of it is coaching, how much of it is roster construction, how much of it is other stuff because the Kings have been so dysfunctional for so long. That's fair. I don't know. I think they should be better, but you know what? Bogdan's fun. Or Bojan. Bogdan is the one on the, on the Kings. And yeah, I like him. He's good. Okay, that's what I thought. And long term, I mean, he wasn't great his rookie season, but long term, I'm still a believer in De'Aaron Fox too. Um, my guy there is Scal. I still love I like Scal BCA. I, he's just I want him to be unleashed in the right team. I don't know if he'll ever get that opportunity. Like I want him on a bad team where he can play stretch four for like 36 minutes a game and just jack up like six threes. His strokes good. I just I like him. I think it, you yeah. be in a better situation than. He would be a lot more fun. Um, next up, Rookie of the Year. And this race has gotten personal. You have Donovan Mitchell wearing uh, a hoodie that um, spells out what a rookie actually means. And I think he has a point. Like, I'm right there with him where it's like, I don't think Ben Simmons should qualify. Just like Embiid shouldn't have qualified last year. Blake shouldn't have qualified. I'm okay with that. I get the sentiment where it's like, this is their first year on an NBA team with an NBA training staff in an NBA situation. Like, I think that's a fair argument. It's a fair argument, but by the letter of the law, he is on the ballot. He is eligible to be voted. Uh, my, mm. my, my question with this is where was any of this like hand wringing about whether they qualify as a rookie? Where was any of this for these other guys? Like with Blake Griffin, I don't remember there being a lot of discussion discussion about oh he shouldn't count because he missed his rookie season maybe it's just because there was no mm-hmm. clear runner-up like if john wall or paul george or somebody had had an incredible rookie season that year and there was a legitimate debate maybe i would have seen but even with Embiid last year like the reason people were against him winning rookie of the year was because he only played 31 games not because he had been on a roster for two years and been technically in the nba yeah. for two years it was just because of the games played but it was because but the reason that nobody really talked about that is because clearly when he was on the court he was so much better than anybody else and it ended up going to malcolm brogdon just because like somebody had to win the award and people didn't want to vote for a guy who only played 31 games so i think it's a little bit hypocritical to just like punish ben simmons because there was actually a rookie who had a comparable year but god like this is punishment though I mean, it kind of is if we weren't holding these other guys, if we weren't holding Blake Griffin to the same standard. Like, I think it's unfair to hold Ben Simmons now to that standard just because there's another guy that has a case. Mm. I don't know. Like, I would just rather alleviate the problem by just, like, making a new rule of, like, if you've been in the NBA for at least a year. You well, if you want to change the rule, fine. That's great. But as the rule yeah, as I mean, that's what I'm doing. As right the now. rule is right now, Ben Simmons is on the ballot and I would vote for Ben Simmons. I would agree that Ben Simmons is at the better year. And I think if you asked even Jazz fans like who they would rather have if they oh, were no, 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 no. right I, now, you would still pick I don't, Simmons. I don't think that's accurate. I they, really they have taken I mean the, this whole like debate on Twitter about Simmons versus Mitchell. I mean the, I think the reason it's so exhausting like these 
kinds of debates are always exhausting, but like you could not have picked a more perfect storm of those two fan bases being the ones where, because you know the Sixers have gone like the Sixers fans are such believers in the process, and you've seen so much public criticism about the process over the last few years when they've been terrible, and now to have a guy like Simmons who uh, is one of the products of that process, and you know, and now they're you know they're a playoff team and they're a top three seed in the Eastern Conference, like they you know they hold like have a lot of emotional attachment to that, and so that's going to get personal whenever anybody tries to suggest he's not the rookie of the year and then with utah like they, they're one of the smallest markets in the league so they have you know they take a lot of stuff personally anyway and now you know you add to that like gordon hayward leaving and then you know the, he's their new guy like there's just so much stuff it, it's gotten so exhausting and like the, like it's just clear to me when i see these people going back and forth on twitter it's pretty clear to me that sixers fans have not watched that much donovan mitchell and Jazz fans really have not watched that much Ben Simmons because both sides, like you'll see them say, oh, well, my guy is rookie of the year and it's not close. And it's like, no, it is close. Those guys both had phenomenal years and both of those guys I think are going to be all-stars for many years to come. But I would pick. Oh, can I, can I make a qualifier there? I don't think Mitchell's going to be an all-star for you. Just because of how deep the West is. Yeah, like I don't okay, see, but he's like, going to be an all-star you, you, caliber player for years to come. Like, like I think we've seen if if this is fair. what he is as rookie year, I think he's going to be a really good player for a long time, and he's potentially a guy that you can build a team around. Would you rather have Mitchell or Simmons if you're a bottom team right now? Simmons. I think most GMs would even agree. Simmons, I would take right. I would take Simmons for the defensive impact. I, just, I mean, I've watched a lot of both this year, and I just I like Mitchell, but I just I don't know how you could watch Mitchell and not just watch what Simmons is doing especially leading this team and just being like eh. I, Simmons is just he's a freak of nature well, he's the, another unicorn well, the, he just doesn't shoot and he's still unstoppable like it's I don't the argument I would just rather have ben the Simmons. argument for Simmons is or, or for Mitchell is that he's a better shooter but if you want to I agree with you the defensive impact the playmaking I, I would take I would take Simmons yeah but that doesn't mean we don't jazz fans that does not mean we do not like Donovan Mitchell we I like Donovan Mitchell I just don't like him as much as um, Ben Simmons. But I will say a more interesting conversation if we take Simmons out of it is would you rather have Tatum or Mitchell for the next 10 years? Because I think I'd rather have Tatum too. I might agree with you, but I don't know. I'd have to think about that one. But, you know, Tatum is – the ballot goes three deep, right? Tatum's clearly number three on the ballot. But this was – I think he's my number – you could sell me on Tatum being rookie of the year if we take out Simmons. I think you could sell me on him having a better year than um, Donovan Mitchell, especially with the injuries and him having to step up. Like, he plays point a lot for the Celtics right now. Like, he does... I mean, if their offense was better than 18th in offensive efficiency right now, then I think he'd have a better case. But, like, I, I don't know, man. Like, he's a really good, important piece on a number two team in the East right now. Yeah, well, it's... it's the- this is such a good rookie class. Like even just beyond these guys, like Markinen's yeah. been good. Uh, and even like guys deeper in the draft, you know, OG Ananobi in Toronto, uh, you know, all the, all these, you know, uh, uh, who's, who, who's the guy, uh, you know, Collins, we talked about in Atlanta. He's been, he's been good. Yeah. Uh, Josh Jackson has come on. Uh, like this is, Oh, okay. Josh Jackson. Is it fair to start calling him baby Jimmy Butler yet? I mean, we need to see more, but he's got that skill set for sure. Okay, so that's not outlandish. Whenever I watch him now, I'm just like, he has the spin move. He has the just the, if he gets bigger, because Jimmy Butler is just like a hoss. Yeah. <laughs> but if Josh Jackson bulks up like that, I think he could be the next Jimmy Butler, which is a huge home run for the Suns. But he looks like he can play now. I, I'm pretty high on Josh Jackson. If he had done this the whole year, I think we might uh, have a Josh Jackson argument in play. But uh, unfortunately, he was pretty terrible for the first half of the year. But um, 
Tatum has started 80 games. Yeah, that's <laughs> I did not expect that. Like, I just don't think we're valuing that enough. On a really good team, he was a starter. He's shooting 40% from three right away. Like, I don't know. You could sell me on Tatum over Mitchell. You could. I don't think I'm quite there, but he had a phenomenal year. What does Mitchell do better than Tatum? I mean, I just, I just think the lo- the load that he had to carry, uh, scoring wise. Like, I think, I think that, I think that would put him over with, you know, with with how competitive the, the the uh, the West is. I don't know. Hmm. I'm, I think it's close, and I'm not positioning it as like it's like this runaway situation. I think there is an argument for both. I'll, really I'll let you deal with the Twitter backlash for that one. <laughs> he's shooting 34 percent from three. And I mean, he's taking a lot. I mean, he's shooting like seven a game. I mean, he's averaging 20 points a game as a rookie is insane. He's getting to the line. That's all great. But I don't know. I think you'd sell me on. Uh, he's only started 70. I don't know. You could sell me on Tatum over Mitchell. You really could. Um, any other dark horses? Were there any other rookies this year that you were like, oh, they were better. I expected they were going to be. Markkanen. Okay. That's fair. I think we were all laughing at the Markkanen stuff. This off well, he the Bulls are gonna do. well, it didn't seem like he could rebound and it didn't seem like he could put all on the floor yeah. to the degree that he can. I think he's going to be a star. I love Bam. Bam. Bam's been solid. Yeah. I like him. a lot. I like Dennis I Smith, too. Whiteside. Who I don't know how I feel about Dennis Smith. Yet. And honestly, Lonzo, like after the injuries, like he's really come on. Yeah. I, I think he's going to be good. And, you know, and then obviously Kyle Kuzma, we have to talk about it, you know, in an honorable mention here. I didn't think anybody thought he was going to be this good. Yeah, Nilakina. Yeah. He's already a really good defender. Yeah, I like he him. He deserves some credit. You know who's not going to win Rookie of the Year or deserves in the conversation? Markel Fultz. I don't think. Uh, no, but you know what? He's. Running. Oh, actually, you know who should get. Here's my favorite. Like, should not win, but should get some sort of credit. Andre it's Ingram. Andre Ananobi. Uh, sure, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that Anobi, like that that's a guy that's a guy that like, you know, they draft him and he had the knee injury la- you know in college and and it's like, oh, is he even gonna play? And no, he's been a pretty good contributor for the for, for the starts. number one seed. Yeah, no, I I, I love Ananobi. No, I think this is such a good rookie class. Like I can't remember a better rookie class in terms of like depth, in terms of how many guys you look at and say, and that's not even counting like like Justin Patton didn't play all year for Minnesota because he was injured. Who knows what he's gonna look like? Uh uh, Jared Allen like and uh, Brooklyn people's people like yeah. too. Like, like there's a lot of guys. Uh, yeah, and I mean, I guess Bogdan counts too. Yeah, in some capacity, he deserves a little bit of credit for being good on a very bad team. But uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. I think Simmons wins. Do you think Simmons ultimately wins, or do you think Mitchell has a shot? I think Simmons will win. I think. I think. I most okay. of the people that I've seen in terms of people who vote uh, have been saying Simmons. I would have. I would put Simmons one if I had a ballot. Six man. Who do you have? I guess Lou Williams. I don't know why he should count. Why should? How many games has he started? He mostly comes off the bench now, though. Yeah, that's true. I mean, if he if he qualifies, I don't know. It feels yeah, like it, it's a Ben Simmons yeah. situation. If he's on the ballot, like, then they decide that's true. to count. That's what you have to vote on. Uh, you know, I think Van Vliet has a pretty strong case. You know, I was Eric... going to say that's my pick. I would have voted yeah. for him. I would vote for Van Vliet. I like. I mean, I like that pick. You know, Eric Gordon. I think. I mean, he started a bunch of games because Chris Paul was out and James yeah. Harden was at various points. But I think Gordon is really important to what the Rockets do. Uh, you know, he, there are there are guys. You know, I think Will Barton has a has a case. Uh, he's been really good for Denver. Mm. Uh, and you know, if they make if they make the playoffs, I think he's going to have a more legit case. You know, depending on what happens tonight. But uh, I guess Lou. I think I'd go either Lou Williams or Van Vliet. 
Van Fleet, man, like <laughs> his numbers are solid. I mean, I think he, let's see what he is. Yeah, he's eighth in real plus minus for point guards this year. And you just watch the Raptors play with him and him, Lowry and DeRozan are closing games and it just works. Like he's just stepped up into a role that like Corey Joseph occupied a year ago, but he's just a better version of Corey Joseph. And I don't know. I think he's just so valuable in the fact that he's closing games with those guys and they're the number one seed in the East. Like he's a really valuable piece to that offense. And he's been a big reason as to why that offense I think has evolved more this year. I, I think it'd be Van Fleet for me. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's, it's certainly an argument. Yeah. I, 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 I might lean towards him. I think Lou is going to ultimately win the award because of the scoring, but uh, no, I think Van Vliet definitely has a case. Is there any chance Oladipo doesn't win most improved player? No. Yeah. I think, I think he's Can got I that well locked uh, up. A team you're very familiar with, I think deserves more credit and more, they deserve to be in the conversation more than they are, is Lillard. Yeah, that's an interesting like, one because you, you very rarely see guys who are already established stars win that award. I actually, you know, I, I, I normally hate this award because it's usually like I was I hated Giannis winning it last year because it's it's always a guy who, you know, was already really good and he just played more minutes and so or more people noticed mm-hmm. it. Like the year that Paul George won, Paul George was already putting up basically the same numbers the year before, but he just, you know, played more minutes because Danny Granger was hurt the year that he won it. So I, I actually like the I actually think for once Oladipo is like the correct pick where it's not just, oh, like casual fans hadn't heard of this guy and now they've heard of him, so we're gonna give him the award. I feel like Oladipo is a guy who has had all these opportunities in Orlando and with Oklahoma City and he was never this good and now he is this good and he's leading a team who is you know in contention to be a top four seed in the in the, or have home court advantage in the playoffs of the east so I, I i'm totally cool with uh with the oladipo pick but like who else would you have in in that conversation i think lillard would be the best like i said and then the other one covington i think robert covington if you watch the sixers a lot this year i think he's even got up another level with just how critical he is to this run i mean they won 14 straight and he's a critical part and like his real plus minus is great. Like he's so good defensively and he's so long. Like he's still shooting the ball lights out. Like Covington, I think, has gone up another level for this team. And he's a critical piece to a team that's at three seed in the East right now. Like you could sell me on Covington. What do you think about Spencer Dinwiddie? He's another great pick. He was on my list too. I he is I like him a lot. And I never thought he would get this good. Um I've watched way too much Nets this year, and I think it's interesting to see how he's played with D'Angelo and Jeremy Lin and all those guys, but like he's unaffected by all of it. I just think, I don't know, is it just playing for Brooklyn and Kenny Atkinson that he's just getting a nice little bump there? Or, I don't know. I think it's real, I guess. At this point, we can say it's real for uh, Dinwiddie long-term, but um, I don't know. Like He's still only shooting 32% from three. Like He's fine. I like him, but uh, I don't know. Whenever I just watched Covington this year, it just seems like he's he's elevated his game even more this year. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I, I, I mean, I think that's a good pick, but I mean, it's clearly Oladipo, number one. Yeah, I don't know if anyone else that makes sense to me that would uh, be a dark horse pick, but... Um, I hate yeah, I don't this know. Covington's playing like 30... Yeah, it's a dumb award, but... Uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. It's going to be Oladipo, no question. But I do think there is an interesting argument to be had about Lillard because of just the Blazers getting into the top 10 in defense and him just 
being absolutely insane this year because I I really do think he's elevated his game. I mean, you've watched a lot of the Blazers. Do you think Lillard has gotten better than he was a year ago, or do you think it's just the team as a whole is getting better? I think a lot of it is the team is getting better as a whole, and there's continuity. Uh, I mean, Lillard's scoring more now than he was before. I. I have a hard time getting to where to where you are in terms of just like Lillard himself is so much better this year than he was. I think just like the whole situation, not to say Lillard hasn't been phenomenal and I have him in my top five for MVP, which we're going to get to in a little bit. But uh, but he's I, I don't know. I, I, I have a hard time getting Lillard to where, uh, you know, he himself has gotten so much better this year than he was as opposed to like it just being a good situation. That's fair. Defensive player of the year, this seems the most obvious to me. I don't see how Gobert does not win this. Especially when you just look at that one graphic of this team without Gobert in the lineup versus with him. It's just his impact for the Jazz is the biggest reason they're going to be the playoff team this year. Yeah, I think the three guys you have on the ballot in some order are him, Embiid, and Horford. And, you know, any one of those. But I, I think I would lean Gobert, too. Just, like, the, the impact that he has, like, and, you know, also just, you know, he missed some time and like how bad they were defensively without him. Yeah, I, yeah, I think I'm kind of there with you. But I think Embiid has kind of the same case with how bad the Sixers are defensively when he's not there and how good they are with him. I think, you know, Embiid and Gobert are probably the two leading guys. And, you know, Horford is in the mix there, too, as well. And also Anthony Davis, honestly. Davis is interesting, too. Um, that's actually something that actually works in Mitchell's favor, too, because I think he is a really good defender, and I think he's actually going to be a good defender at the two spot for them this year. He uh, He's a two-way player, so that's another thing to his tap. I'm just trying to make Jazz fans happier after um, not picking Mitchell for my rookie of the year. But, um, yeah, I think he's in there. My dude Covington, if you watch them, I'm telling you, like, it's just – he is so good on defense, and he's so good. His individual defensive rating is 99.1, I think, when he's on the floor. Yeah. And Robertson, I think, was in the conversation before he got hurt. Like, he, that team was still, when he was in the starting lineup, I think, like, he was a plus 14 player on-off rating with him. But uh, Corey Brewer has been really good for them now, so that kind of alleviates that. But um, I don't know. I think it's just Gobert. Gobert is just insane. Yeah, I'm with you there. Yeah, I don't know who else um, would really qualify. You know who doesn't qualify? Emmanuel Moutier. No. <laughs> Shout. Out. It's amazing how bad he is. Yeah, it's. And I was. A, I was a believer in him coming out of the draft, but it just that just hasn't happened. I love watching him in the Knicks, though. Him and Trey Burke. It's insanity what's going on there, but... Uh, hey, by uh, the way, Trey Burke, I, I think, is a Dark Horse most improved guy because he was basically washed out of the league at the beginning of the year, and now he's actually carved most out... Most improved? <laughs> Do you, I, he's fine. Like, he's he literally is, like, trying to become the new Allen Iverson, but, like, I, I mean, sure. I mean, he's I guess he, he's he was washed out of the league, and now he's basically, you know, you know, look at what he's, you know, the numbers he's putting up. But granted, this is on a terrible Knicks team that's going nowhere. I, I, I'm i not yeah. saying I'd actually put him on my ballot, but, like, that's an interesting guy to kind of look at. Oh, man. The Knicks. What is he shooting from three? He is shooting 35%. Okay. Better than I thought it was. Um, Sure. Trey Burke gets him most improved player uh, love. Last up, most viable player. I tried, like, I was just looking and thinking, if, like, if it could be anybody but Harden. And the one thing that I will say that hurts Harden, but I don't know if it necessarily actually will hurt him, is that Chris Paul has been so good. And that he is, like, I think he is right behind Harden and real plus minus for point guards. And those two are just so good together, especially with Capella and everything else. Like, it's just a really good triumphant. But I, I just don't know how you could not give it to Harden this year. But I will say LeBron's come on strong and... Davis deserves a lot of credit, especially with um, 
Cousins going down and him just carrying this team into the playoffs. But uh, I don't know. Like, I think LeBron is not realistic. And if you look at his side-by-side numbers with Kevin Durant this year, they're actually really similar. It's just Durant hasn't played enough games. And uh, I do wonder if Durant played 82 games this year or last year, he would get MVP because I feel like that's really hurting him because I think we're starting to really undervalue his presence. But I think it's Harden. And if he doesn't win this year, I think he should probably retire from basketball because he's never going to win after this year. I don't know why people are like looking so hard to find any reason to not give it to Harden. I think we're just overthinking this. I think it's I think it's Harden one, yep. LeBron two, and then the the three, four, five. LeBron like, two. Yeah, I think so. So you have LeBron over Davis. Okay. Yeah, I, I I mean I've gone back and forth on those. I think I think just you know with you know LeBron's production all year, and you know him doing it in year fifteen, and like I I the the thing the thing that keeps me from putting him number one, and I mean I think he would have a legit case if he defended better, because he just you know he he basically has like completely mailed it in on that end. But I think you just have to give it up for what he's been able to do in term in year fifteen, and just how you know keep the Cavs basically afloat. You know they'd be one of the worst teams in the league if he wasn't. Uh, if he wasn't there, I think, you know, I think that's one and two. And then I'd have probably have Davis three, Dame four. And then five is interesting because like, you know, do you put DeRozan in there or do you credit a lot of their success to, you know, the, the, no. the Raptors bench? Do you put, you know, do you put LaMarcus Aldridge there? Do you put Embiid there? Honestly, like, I think that's a, that's a conversation. Uh, like, like who would you put five? Cause that's the interesting thing. I think the top four in some order is pretty clear cut. Uh, you didn't say Durant, did you? I mean, yeah, you, you know, Durant's Durant in there. Falls in there. I think Steph uh, would be Paul in there if he played more five. games. Yeah, Chris Paul. I think Paul deserves some. Paul, but that's yeah. another guy who's missed some games. Yeah, I mean, it's you know who we're not it's a lot. I mean, we both MVP last year. Yeah, Russell Westbrook I, is in no yeah. Like, he's not top five even in anybody's list. Yeah, is he going to even make, like, one of the all-NBA teams? Honestly, like, there's so oh, many he good... He has to make one of them. Yeah. Yeah. What about Giannis? I know, the, I know the Bucks are eighth, but I know the Bucks are eighth in the East, and that's not like super impressive. But I expect- this doesn't feel like a good Giannis year yeah. for me. No, I would not have him in the top five. If you want to give him a fifth place, so I was like, I'd be, I'd be fine with that. But yeah, yeah. Lamarcus Aldridge, I, I think Jimmy how, Butler how- is more deserving than both. I don't know Jimmy Butler if he'd not gotten hurt because he only played fifty eight games this year, but like just his value on both sides of the ball for the T Wolves this year, they were a four seed when he was healthy. Well, so many of these guys like, like you have you're you're, t- you're talking about games played because you know you'd have to put you know. Embiid, that's like the, the knock against him. Gobert, that's the knock against him. Chris Paul, you know, the, all the Warriors guys that would be in the mix. Like, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, there are definitely, you know, that's, a, and, and the fact that LeBron played all 82 games for the first time in his career, like that's a, that's kind of a, a thing for him too. But I don't, I don't know how to, I don't do this. All I know is I would pick Harden. I don't have to think about it too much. I think people are overthinking it, trying to make a case for it being somebody besides him. Uh, you know, he's led the league in scoring. They, you know, the Rockets have the best record of the league. You know, he's been, he, you know, he's still been, even with adding Chris Paul to the mix, he's still been, you know, up there in assists. Like, I I just I don't see any way it's not hard. And he's even, he's even been better defensively. Like, he's still, I wouldn't consider him a good defender, but he's not an embarrassment on that end like he was a couple of years ago. Yeah, I would agree. I think my, I would feel best about adding Chris Paul in the, somewhere in that top five, I guess. I think, yeah, definitely I think he has just been so good. When he plays like those two are just so good together. I don't think it hurts Harden's case to just say that Chris Paul has just been awesome as well. Um, all right, man. Well, I think, did we go through everybody? Yeah, I, I think, think that's everything. I think so. This is good. All right. Uh, are the Warriors winning the NBA finals? I've thought all year that Houston is going to win the title. The Simba Mute thing is kind of 
interesting. But if he can get back by the second round, I think you know the Warriors, uh, the Rockets are in good shape. I'm if the if the Warriors were a hundred percent healthy, and I knew they would be a hundred percent healthy, I would probably still say the Warriors are going to win the title. But I I think this is Houston's year. They kind of remind me of that first Warriors team, like not the '73 win one, but the first Warriors title team. Like that's that's kind of what they remind me of. I just think like, in terms of how many different ways they can beat people. And, you know, obviously, I think both Harden and D'Antoni are super motivated to, you know, prove people wrong as far as, like, their playoff reputations go. Uh, I I think this is Houston's year. Okay. I don't. I think they're still going to lose at some point, and I still have the Warriors winning it all. Yeah. I could see it. Yeah. Do the Cavs get back to the finals? I do think they do. I just, until okay. it, until it happens, I'm not picking against LeBron in the East. As much as I'd love to pick the Sixers, like I'd like, I'd really like to do that. Or the Sixers would be really fun. Can you imagine if we get Sixers like Warriors? Sixers in the finals, Sixers. that would just be. I just want anything else. Like we don't, I I don't need to watch Cavs Warriors for the fourth year. We know exactly how that's going to go. Like it, just anything different. One of the two conferences give me somebody besides the guy, the team that's won it for the last three years. Like I just want something different as a fan. Okay, that's fair. All right, Sean. Well, this was a lot of fun. As always, we can find you on Twitter at Hiken. I still am very envious that you got your last name just as um your uh, Twitter uh, handle. So that's that's pretty good. Um, it's one yeah, of my yeah, better achievements. Follow you there, <laughs> and also photobombing uh, Fred Hoiberg in your avatar. Um, yeah, man. Well, this is good, and uh, let's talk again soon. Yeah, definitely. Whenever you want. Thanks, Sean. Yeah, for sure. All right, on the line right now, Chris Thompson, not to be confused with my best friend growing up who had the same name. No, Chris is a writer at Deadspin and also a very big Wizards fan. And I'm basically the captain of the Wizards are actually good army at this point. So, Chris, how are you doing tonight? Do you share my Wizards optimism? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm not sure I share your Wizards optimism, but I, I, I might. it's possible I might be the captain of the skeptical of the wizards team so all right i mean for me okay the first thing you lay out that i just think about are the wizards good very very generic question so you dive in are they good is their bench good no it's one of those things you just have to watch them from night to night to know get a good feel for this team and it's the same story as last year except we now have a little bit more of a sample size with Sidoransky in that starting lineup which just going to throw that out there they're plus 93 per 100 possessions when it's Sidoransky, Beal, Porter, Morris, and Gertat and people have been blowing that up of oh are they better without John Wall blah 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 well guess what Wall, Beal, Porter, Morris, and Gortat is plus 66 like their starting lineups are always, if you look at their box scores, I just encourage everyone to go throughout the wizard season this year. Look at the box, look at the plus minuses, look at the Jody Meekses of the world, the um, just Tim Frazier's, just what they've been throwing out there when uh, the starters leave is atrocious outside of Kelly Oubre and Mahimi, I guess has been a little bit better this year, but uh, Mike Scott is fine, but this bench is terrible. And Ernie Gutfeld deserves a lot of crap for what he's put behind these guys. But he also was the one who signed Mahini to his contract. Gortat's getting paid a lot of money. Like they're just, they're strapped a little bit and they lost. I wish they had Bogdanovich back this year. Yes. That would have been nice to have off the bench for them. Uh, paying Jody Meeks instead of uh, Boyan uh, was not great. So not a big fan of that, but 
I just I look at this team and I just think this is a team that's built for the playoffs. But at the same time, they've shot themselves in the foot by putting themselves in a position where they're at the eight seed right now. And if they were one seed up and it looks like they're going to be the eight seed because the Bucks are getting beat by, let me check the numbers. Yes, 93 points by the Sixers tonight. <laughs> and they want the Celtics in round one. So they're going to get them. Like they're going to get a Kyrie-less Celtics. And if you put the Wizards in that seventh spot, I think most of us would be comfortable picking them over the Celtics in a seven-game series. However, they're getting the Raptors. Yeah. And I... <laughs> I'm not a fan. I mean, they avoided the Cavs, which I'm glad. I, I don't want them facing the Cavs, even though they seem pretty confident about it. I didn't want them to get the Cavs, but I also did not want them to get the Raptors because I just, one seeds rarely go down. I mean, I guess this is a different situation because the Wizards are getting healthy at the right time, but I love the fact that they're at each other's throats and that Scott Brooks says, like, call them a selfish team and all this other nonsense. Like, I'm ready for this. <laughs> this is a team that, like, they have eight guys yeah. that are really good. And when they all play together, they're really good. And I might take their eight over the Raptors' best eight. So, you know what? I'm riding the Wizards are beating the Raptors in a seven-game series right now. Oh, my. I'm not leaving my Wizards up. Oh, yeah. It's happening. <laughs> I, I'm fired up, Chris. <laughs> I do not share your optimism on that front. In fact, I think like three, maybe three weeks ago, I wrote on Deadspin that I think, uh, barring any sort of catastrophic injury for the Raptors, I probably would not pick an Eastern Conference team over them, which is not like a, you know... That's not a very bold thing to say about the 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 number one overall seed in the in the conference, but uh, but you know like the Raptors have this history of being bad in the playoffs. I'm just terrified of their depth this year, and I think uh, I I remember hearing during the last uh, Wizards broadcast that some of the someone inside the organization, it's probably one of the players, said that the the Wizards actually want the Raptors in the opening round, which strikes me as just oh I love it. It's just crazy, like. The, uh, the no, they want to make so... it difficult on themselves. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> the Celtics are so wounded right now, and especially uh, coming off of that game the other night where it just seemed like at any time the Wizards could just kind of turn it up and run away from the Celtics. Um, like the idea that you would prefer to play against the the healthy Raptors over these, this wounded Celtics team strikes me as just really short-sighted. Uh, and possibly fatally so. So I do not share your optimism <laughs> about the uh, the Wizards against the Raptors in the opening round. I think I do think that though that it's a uh, it would probably be a good idea for any Eastern Conference team to try to avoid uh, both the Cavs and the 76ers actually because they're they might be the hottest mm. team in the entire NBA and they have a lot of depth and athleticism and, and they will not lack for belief if for no other reason than because they're too young to realize that. Uh, they have they are a long shot team in the playoffs, and so I, I think if I were the Wizards, I would want to avoid them, even possibly uh, to the extent that it might be better to have the eight seed <laughs> than the sixth. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess the teams you want, if you're a lower seed right now, uh, would be you know the Pacers and the Celtics. So, oh, Pacers for sure. Yeah. Like they're not winning a first round series. Yeah, I don't think. Shout so out to the Pacers. Great season. Caitlin Cooper, great Pacers writer. Been reading her stuff all year yeah. on the Cornrows. Been great. Love Old Depot. They're fun to watch. They're a team that you can tell quickly if someone's actually watched them by how they talk about McMillan right, and right. that roster. <laughs> because they're not a slow plotting, awkward team. They're fun. They're fast. Yeah. Old Depot averages like four steals a game. Like they just they rely on the fast break and they just push the ball. They're fun. They're super fun. But uh, they're, they're also not gonna win a seven game series. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so either. I mean I think it's I think if they're healthy 
next year and they've had the same kind of regular season, then I might pick them uh, to win a series. But, you know, like I, uh, I, I do believe that the playoffs are a different animal. And I think, I do think that that can be, that the, the increased intensity can be, you know, sort of a kick in the chest to a team that hasn't experienced it before. And there are a lot of guys in that team that haven't experienced it before. So I expect that they're going to really have a hard time in the opening round, no matter who they face. So of the higher seeds, yeah, you'd probably rather have Indiana. And then honestly, the Celtics, I mean, they're just, they're just so wounded right now. So they've got to be tired and they're just, they're really hobbled. So it seems to me that the Wizards, um, like they should be really uh, hoping to win tonight. Uh, and they're currently down ten to the match. Well, they're down so, right now. Yeah, I believe. yeah, yeah. That's kind of disappointing. But I, they aren't. I think the that, Wizards. So. so, can you? I mean, I've already got your headline for three weeks from now. Weekend <laughs> headline. Hopefully, the Wizards do this on a weekend. They ended up with the upset. Holy shit! Chase Thomas called this shit. <laughs> I'll tell you what, if they pull off an upset in the opening round, I, I might not use that headline verbatim, but I will put that in the post somewhere. Uh, because oh, I, I'm i not going to be picking them. I mean, I, I just, I hate to say it, because I, I really am a Wizards fan. I mean, I, I do a lot. You're of, a Wizards guy and you're not yeah, doing it. So right. I would like you to also say, I, you were not a believer, <laughs> but Chase was a believer the entire time. <laughs> and that John Wall's assholeness came out in full force in this series yeah. and was like, Nope, I'm doing this. This is happening. Kyle Lowry, um, DeRozan, they can have this great season, everything else. <laughs> you know what would be the most Raptors thing ever is Dwayne Casey win coach of the year, and then they get upset in the first round right yeah, after. Yeah, it really would. And then, the, the, you know, after winning coach of the year and after having this incredible regular season, to be thrust right back into questions about what, about the long-term future of that team would just be the most Raptors thing possible. I almost don't want it to happen yeah. just because it will be replaying a circumstance that we've now had for probably four or five years in a row. <laughs> I'm getting a little tired. Oh, no, I need this. <laughs> I need John Wall and Beal to go up 2-0 after two wins in Toronto. Like, Can you imagine what John Wall is going to be doing if they win game two, especially yeah. after upsetting game one, like what he's going to do in Toronto and just how this team is going to react to that? Yeah, and, like, and that look on the Raptors' coming. Like, People are... <sighs> I just don't understand the cynicism towards this Wizards team. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't know, Chase. You might if they be, uh... have their five guys, <laughs> if they have their five guys out there, their five is better than the Raptors starting five. It is. It's just, and they're going to be playing 40 minutes a game. Well, like, that's true. These guys are going to leave it. Yeah. I mean, I'm ready for it. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, apart from my Wizards homerism, it's true, I think, um, that the Wizards starting five is probably better than the Raptors starting five. You know, the Raptors, like their big strength is that they can pull out these second and third lineups. They're largely bench guys oh, yeah. and just overwhelm teams. And that, that traditionally that's an advantage that goes away in the playoffs. Uh, whereas the Wizards, mm-hmm. they're on their fourth year in a row now of having really strong high use starting lineup. And so you, and then, you know, like, both Bradley Beal and John Wall have a track record now of really playing much better in the playoffs. And so like, you know, at least on those terms, it, you know, I guess no one would be all that surprised if the wizards get the Raptors in the opening round and upset them. Uh, but I just, ah, man, the, the wizards, you know, reminds me of like the, the playoffs last year, every time John Wall left the floor, 
uh, you know, and they, they would bring on Brandon Jennings. It was like the whole offense just vanished. And I'm worried they're going to have the same problem yeah. this year. And we're going to be looking at a game six or game seven where John Wall's exhausted and playing 42 minutes. And well, they just thankfully, you have Sanaransky there now, who been great. is the commander of that starting lineup, too. So <laughs> yeah. they're fine. Yeah. He's been great. And he, uh, I'm so pleased that he's been as great as he has been this year because he's another kind of, he was another guy who, who, May, probably should have seen more minutes uh, earlier in his career, and uh, and if you watched him closely, you had a sense that he was making a lot of small plays that amount to winning basketball, but not a lot of the flashy plays that might get him, you know, greater attention. And so to see him get extended run with the starters and really, uh, you know, keep them afloat in John Wall's absence has been you know, exciting development for Wizards fans. And hopefully that'll continue in the playoffs so some national NBA fans can, you know, get some exposure to him. He's really an excellent player, I think. Can we? Can I rank uh, the top three most likely NBA Finals representatives you, from the East? You absolutely right can. And I, <laughs> but I'm warning you, okay. if one of them is the Wizards, your credibility might come into question here. <laughs> Well, I've got some bad news. Alrighty. <laughs> they're included in this. They're not number one. I'm not going that far. Right because on. it's going to be very difficult for them to survive that far. If they were a three seed, they would be my number one okay. right now. But unfortunately, they destroyed themselves <laughs> by falling to eighth because they just, they're masochists at this point. Right on. Is the way I would describe this team. Um, Number one, the Sixers. It's just winning 14 in a row and just doing what they're doing. They just... They kind of feel like the Thunder a couple years ago when they just got good too fast and then they just somehow like took advantage of a weak conference that year. And just, I don't see LeBron like who has played the most minutes uh, this year of anybody. He's played in every single game. Like I just, at some point that's got to be a problem. And I just, I don't like this roster without Kyrie as much. I mean, Kevin Love being back is a huge help for them and we'll see what happens, but they're not in my top three right now. Wow. Yeah. Number two, Wizards. <laughs> <laughs> if the Wizards get out of round one and then they get matched up because they do reseed. Am I blanking? I don't want to. It doesn't happen very often, so I'm not 100% turning off the top of my head. But they do reseeding it, right? I'm pretty sorry. I don't uh, think that's true. I think you're, you think you stay inside the bracket um, from round to round. You know, I should know that answer, but I don't. I'm sort of blanking on that. Right? Yeah. Oh, no, they're never reseeded. Okay, they are not, um, which is good for them because then they get, um, well, actually not good. They get the Cavs. They get and then the Cavs, they have to beat the Raptors yeah. and Cavs in back-to-back series. Yeah, no, it's probably not going to happen. <laughs> Raptor, I mean, <laughs> you know what the Wizards are going to do? They're just going to ruin some East contender season and then immediately get roasted by, like, LeBron in round two. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, I just can't, um, I can't imagine them getting past LeBron in the playoff series, especially when their last time they faced them, they had a 17-point fourth-quarter lead. And it was like LeBron just woke up and decided. But that's good, though. <laughs> I don't know. It was so it was so. Decisive. They were up 17. I, mean, I was very encouraged. Like, I was exchanging text messages with another Wizards fan, and I was like, I love how they're playing. Like, if they're playing like this in the playoffs, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be ready for another run. And then it was, like, it was honestly like LeBron just made a decision that he was going to beat the Wizards. And lo and behold, he just beat the Wizards. I, I don't know how, they, I don't think they match up well against the Bryant. I feel like they've never figured out who can defend him. And really nobody can. I mean, that, that, that puts them in league with every other team in the NBA. But uh, I just, you know, once LeBron is actually playing defense in the playoffs, I just have the hardest time imagining the Wizards winning more than a, a game or two in a series against them. Maybe that's just me being pessimistic, but 
uh, I don't know. I, I do not share your optimism on that front. So the Wizards head coach is 46 and 40 in the playoffs. Winning record. <laughs> He's only been eliminated in round one once in his life. Yeah. And that was the first year in OKC. He has not been eliminated in the first round since 2010. I don't know, man. I think uh, I think Randy Whitman has never been eliminated in the first round either. <laughs> That's true. Where is Randy Whitman now? He just, once he got let go, like, what happened? I think Has he finally gone. Actually, did he get promoted to uh, Ernie Grunfeld's, like, just personal assistant? <laughs> Maybe he's the one who signed Jody Meeks and Tim Frazier yeah. and Ramon They're Sessions. his kind of player. It, it was a combo deal. Oh, my God. <laughs> that actually annoyed me more than anything. As a Wizards disciple this year, for them to sign Ramon Sessions um, hurt me in a very serious way. Oh, really? And... Yeah, because he's just not good, and he's been really bad for a long time. And I just have a vendetta against him, and it's nothing against him personally. It's just him as a basketball player. And I remember the year after Jeremy Lin left uh, Charlotte a couple years ago, and him and Kimbo were so fun together, and they replaced him with Sessions, and Sessions was terrible. And it didn't work, those two together. And he's just, I don't know, not a fan. I I don't get it, but whatever. He doesn't make a lot of sense as a modern guard. The NBA has really passed him by. He can't shoot. And he's not really all that dangerous off the dribble anymore. You know, he, he uses a lot of tricks to get to the line, but that, but referees are kind of being a little bit uh, tougher about those sorts of calls. And he's really a bad defender. Yeah, it just I'm not a big fan either. I was really disappointed when they brought him back <laughs> this year. Hmm. But you know, there was that uh, Washington Post story from a month ago that said he's still a consummate pro. Oh yeah, yeah. You can't have too many consummate so, there pros. You go. <laughs> You never can, man. Especially with a selfish group like the Washington Wizards. Oh, yeah, are. yeah. Selfish infighting group that they are. Yeah. Do you think if they don't get out of the first round and they do get eliminated by the Raptors, do they blow it up? Does Wall get traded? Do they do something outrageous? Oh, I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, uh, uh, okay. I, first of all, it's hard. For, uh, yeah. I mean, it's hard for me to even go there because... I, I have a hard time overstating just how devastated I would be if they trade John Wall. And I say that as somebody who occasionally, like, you know, throws pillows around his room because of how frustrated I am about John Wall. Um, but, like, you know, he, like, he has been the face of this period of Wizards basketball, which I have enjoyed more than any period of Wizards basketball since they were the Bullets. Um, and so if they trade him, I'm just going to be devastated. But uh, I just think uh, they're not... I don't think they're they would be able to trade him for enough in return to make it worthwhile, and uh, and I think hmm. I think they're still you know they're the wiz like the, the it's the Wizards organization like they haven't had a lot of success over the last thirty years and so um, breaking up a team that when healthy can still put together some really you know tough lineups and win some basketball games and get into the playoffs and win a series that kind of thing like I just think. Um, I just don't think that that's I, I don't and I don't think that would be especially wise and I I don't see the Wizards uh, being willing to take what that. What if Kawhi is available? Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> would you give up Wall, Beal, and Ubre? No. For Kawhi? No. 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 Okay. Just, I I would. I, I mean I think Kawhi when he's healthy is probably good enough to be a top five player. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's probably good enough to be worth that, but I. I think the Wizards have so little around their star players 
that um, even Kawhi wouldn't be able to turn that into a team that's much better than this team. You know, like like if John, like I think John Wall plus Bradley Beal plus Otto Porter, you know, surrounded by a group of fairly you know mediocre role players is probably when healthy you know, like a 46 or 47 win team. And I think if you take John Wall and Bradley Beal and Kelly Ray off the team and put Kawhi Leonard with Otto Porter and the same collection of, you know, mediocre role players, you're looking at like a 45, 46, 47 win team. I just don't think they're that much better. I mean, maybe they do it just to shake it up and take a chance, but I, I, uh, I, I probably wouldn't, um, I probably wouldn't endorse that move for even for non-sentimental reasons. Would you do it for Josh Jackson? and no. the Suns lottery pick. Um, I mean, a lot, I'm yeah, I am kind of a sucker for the lottery pick, especially if it's a high lottery pick. Um, I'm not, I'm really not into Josh Jackson. So my initial response is okay. like, no, I've got some bad news for you then. Uh-oh. He's baby Jimmy Butler. So it's time <laughs> to buy stock. His second half, he is turning into baby Jimmy Butler. I mean, that would be exciting. His I- spin move, the way he plays, like he, I was so low on him to start the season. He was so bad. Yeah. But he is completely transformed he's done the opposite of tatum who has fallen a, a little bit yeah, down the stretch yeah um jackson's come on it's uh it's pretty interesting i just I think don't know what a... his position is in the nba and i i worry about him yeah. not shooting and i honestly maybe this is a little bit of bias just based on recent history but i am so skeptical of every player inside the sun's organization that they've just they're so bad i think it's hard to even appreciate how just completely bad they are they're like the worst they're the they have the worst defensive rating and the worst offensive rating in the nba for like the third year in a row they're awful and so to i be fair the kings are right there yeah and the kings have been there all year too yeah, they were totally. 30th and 30th um for most of the year yeah. and then the Suns were like no 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 we're gonna yeah, we're gonna we get got that last spot we're gonna <laughs> <laughs> you know who's 29th in defensive rating uh you know just like only marginally worse or only marginally better than the suns is the Cavs. Is it not the Kings? It's the Cavs. Oh, the Cavs are 20. Yeah, the Cavs are oh 29th in defensive rating. I don't know. I mean, they, huh. oh, that's really bad. Like maybe the maybe the was maybe the Wizards do want the Cavs in the playoffs. That's I mean like that that kind of defense, you know, teams don't usually perform well in in the playoffs, you know, if they're not in at least, you know, in the sort of middle part of the league in defensive rating, defensive efficiency so that's like a really troubling sign there but uh but yeah as for like your proposed trade for josh jackson I, yeah I, he, you know he's got some athletic gifts and it, apparently he's got some really good basketball instincts but i would be really troubled about any trade that brought back players from that organization including devin booker i'm just not a believer in what really Dragic and Whiteside for a while <sighs> i think Goran Dragic is really good. Um, he's also, you know, kind of an older guy, and I don't think he's going to get any better. And I don't, uh, I don't have a very high opinion of Hassan White. I love your wall loyalty. This is great. I don't. I, I love uh, your wall loyalty. No, this no is one, fantastic. No one can accuse me of like, you know, not being a homer here, even though I do occasionally like mm-hmm. dump on the Wizards. Uh, you know, a thing that bothers me about the Wizards—not to go off on a complete tangent here—but um, but like, you know, there's. a as far as their offense goes, like there's, there's like eight to 10 or 12 possessions a game that they reliably dump on 
inefficient offense for the sake of like appeasing one or another of their players. So like John Wall will come up the court and get a, a kind of a lousy screen and dribble into the kind of free throw elbow area and take a jumper early in the shot clock that he's not very good at making. But you have the sense that like that's a shot he needs the latitude to take in order for him to be happy about like his distribution of shots in the offense. And then like they'll give Gortat a post touch that he's usually going to turn into like a hook shot that he's not especially good at making. And then they'll give like Marquise Morris a post touch that he's going to turn into a fadeaway jumper or a step back jumper that he's not especially good at making. And you're never going to be like a very good offensive team if you're dumping possessions on things that you're not very good at. And I just feel like if you have Hassan Whiteside on your team, you're going to be dumping five to seven possessions a game on bad Hassan Whiteside post-ups or really irresponsible, you know, shots that he gets after an offensive rebound, that kind of thing. So I, yeah, I, I think he's like a really dangerous uh, rim protector and he's great on the pick and roll uh, when he, when he gets down the lane, he can go up for alley-oops and stuff, but I don't think he's like the kind of player I'd want on my team for that reason. So I'm rejecting that trade. Jordan guy? <laughs> Is he a Jordan guy in the sense of like, but, is he signed to Jordan? Is he? I don't. Think there's something with Jordan. him with Jordan, right? I don't. Or, I don't know. Okay. I don't think so. Huh. Let me see. Uh, he doesn't have a sneaker deal. Okay. But, but, I thought he did have something. I with think Jordan. he got Maybe a sneaker not. deal a few weeks ago, right? But I think it's with Adidas. Yeah, it's like Adidas. Five years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was I, I was irrationally happy that he got a shoe deal. I was feeling like personally offended by the fact that John Wall is like a you know, an NBA superstar without a shoe deal. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Kawhi still doesn't have one. Yeah, so, that's crazy. Uh, but Kawhi was at least yeah. was with Jordan. They did like the whole uh, that's true. The whole like two way campaign for him, the the shadow MVP campaign. That was a tricky thing, right? Because they're like Jordan was like uh, representing both um, both Russell Westbrook and Kawhi Leonard last year, and they both had like you know reasonable MVP cases and you know like their shoe company needs to campaign for you know like their players so they had to run these shadow campaigns for two different players who they're both signed <clears throat> anyway that's boring but there it is there you go <laughs> I have no other big trades for you yeah I mean that, I think that's probably you like might be stuck with wall yeah let me tell you I'm happy to ride with wall like if I'm happy to go down in flames with wall even just as a like a cent for I mean this is purely sentimental but like if if John Wall retires as a wizard but the wizards never win the finals I will be super duper content with that cuz I love him I've been rooting for him his whole career now and he's brought the wizards out of you know a really bad irrelevant situation to where they are now which is still kind of vaguely irrelevant but at least we have all stars and that kind of thing. We play some playoff games. So I, if he retires a wizard, I'll be thrilled. I just, I could never get over the Dougie situation. He just <laughs> clearly didn't care about the game. He didn't, he was obviously not a leader. He was obviously not someone who could guide a team to the playoffs. <laughs> when you dance before a game, a basketball game, it's just, I mean, it's a huge it. indictment yeah, on it. your character and where you're going as a player. No recovering so, from that. No recovery at all. So that's why he's never been an all-star. He's never won a playoff game. Yeah. It was really funny yeah. that like what, that what made, uh, whatever, what's his name? Colin something. I can't even think of his Cowherd. Name. Cowherd. There you go. What made him soften on that wasn't even a basketball thing. It was like John Wall 
uh, you know, feeling emotional about his, his, uh, the friend of his who died of cancer, the, the young girl. And uh, after the Celtics game, when John Wall was like very upset about that, then uh, Coward was like, oh, you know, this guy is really showing me something. Like that was, the substance of his criticism had nothing to do with John Wall's like emotional maturity. It had to do with like whether he, yeah. as a basketball player or a leader, could, you know, could, could make a team better. And it's like he had done that so many times over by the time that Celtics game happened. The fact that he latched onto this. Anyway, it was just told you everything you need to know about Colin Coward that he just, he's not even, he's just trolling so he can get, you know, views at this point. He doesn't even hold that opinion. He's just a stubborn guy. Well, he has a new target. He's laying off wall. He has a new one Uh-oh. this year that I've been keeping up with that I've enjoyed. Really? He's sticking to his guns. Who? Baker Mayfield. <laughs> he like didn't have really? him in the first round for a while. <laughs> yeah. That's so. Not mature. It's the same stuff. It's just like, he's not a mature guy. He's <sighs> just. By the way, that was like my favorite sports moment of last year of him just like grabbing his junk as like to flaunt the Kansas team for not shaking his hand. Like, that's amazing. I don't under, I, like, why are we upset about that? Right. Right. Isn't that was like, incredible. Yeah, exactly. It's incredible. This is, if you're going to mock somebody, here. like, especially when you're Kansas, like, what, what are right, you doing? Right. You're Kansas. <laughs> I just love that he, like, is one of those dudes who's like, I'm going to step on your neck. And, like, there's, Nothing more unlikable than a, a guy who's just like over the top, but also not good at his sport and still bragging and thinks he's really good. Right. That's super annoying. Yes. Baker Mayfield's really good at his job and he's also not going to take it uh, <laughs> well when you disrespect him like that in one of the most ridiculous ways where they just refuse to shake his hand. Right. Um, yeah. Right. Like who, who on earth oh wasn't, God. wasn't thinking like, oh, those players, like, like they're like they they have some come up and headed their way, and that was it. Like that that was what they got, and like good for him. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it could have been way worse. Right. Mayfield could have done something way worse. Yeah, totally. I'm sure he had other ideas. And, and, and uh, or he could have even like yeah. he could have just turned turned into like you know this smarmy like you know uh, like sanctimonious guy who's like uh, you know it's part of the game to shake hands and how dare they disrespect the spirit of the game but like <laughs> but like no he didn't do that he grabbed his crotch like that's great <laughs> I, I'll take that 10 times out of 10 <laughs> exactly you want a leader like that right you know yeah. there you go I'm sure his teammates that's a good way to wrap up this Wizards podcast is talking about Baker Mayfield yeah, exactly. grabbing his crotch in a Oklahoma Kansas game there's nothing more Washington Wizards yeah there you go you'll be happy to know that the Wizards are now winning they're up one on the Magic it's about time. Yeah. My Washington Wizards, as long as the Hawks are bad, I think I'm identifying nice. with uh, Wizards for a while. <laughs> but uh, yeah, <laughs> Chris, this has been a blast. I really appreciate you taking the time. Happy And to. I'm looking forward to that headline yeah. in a couple weeks. I so, will, uh, I will um, send if you, you want to go ahead and add that to the drafts. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, yeah, you're, you will be named <laughs> by name. Perfect. Perfect. Um, all right, Chris. Well, we can find you on Twitter at, um, let me see if I have this right. Yes. Mad bastards all, which I still don't know. What, what does that mean? Oh, it's such a cheesy. Uh, the story is too boring. I, you don't even want to hear it. I, I had a blog once. It's really embarrassing. I had needed the Twitter thing for the blog and that's as much as anyone could possibly care to know about that. Okay. Well, there you go. Follow him there. Read him at Deadspin, and then look out for my chases. Actually, write it. it, Wizards predictions (laughs) column. So, there you go, Chris. Thank you so much, and let's talk again soon. Thanks, Chase. And that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. I just want to remind you guys: if you like today's episode and you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts, 
or iTunes, I would really appreciate if you could take a second, leave the show a five-star rating and a review. If uh, you're not an Apple podcast listener, remember you can find the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, Be sure to check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can access all of my previous episodes and also find all my writing. I'm writing there fairly often. And also follow me on Twitter at Chase underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Thank you for your support and we'll be back on another episode very soon. Thanks guys. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.